you know, I really believe that the combination of of messaging with automation is going to pretty dramatically change the nature of customer service over the next three to five years. Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. Before we jump into today's interview, if you guys could leave a review and a rating and also subscribe as well, that would be a huge help to the podcast. So if you actually enjoy the content and you'd like to hear more of it, please support us by leaving us a review and subscribe to the podcast as well. Thanks so much. All right, everyone. Today we have Josh March, who is the CEO of Converse Social and the author of Message Me, a book on the future of customer service. Josh, how's it going? It's going great. Great to be on here, Eric. Yeah, thanks for being here. So yeah, why don't you give us a little background, a little bit on kind of who you are and what your story is? Sure. So I've been an entrepreneur for uh, quite a long time. Did an e-commerce company straight out of college uh, that, that failed. Uh, that, that experience got me really into the whole kind of online marketing space as I wanted to you know, really understand what I'd done wrong. And at the time, social media was just starting to emerge. And in 2007, Facebook launched their app development platform that allowed third parties to build apps uh, on top of Facebook. And I thought that was a really uh, incredible opportunity for brands to engage with customers in a way that hadn't really been possible before. So I ended up starting a company called iPlatform uh, that became one of the first ever Facebook app development ag- agencies in the world and one of the first ever you know, officially preferred developers for Facebook globally. And that was in London at the time. You know, along the way, I you know, learned to program and started, you know, actually started building Facebook apps along the way and had run, run an event for Facebook in London for many years for everyone who was kind of getting excited and working on the early platform. But yeah, while that was a great experience uh, and became a you know, successful and profitable agency, the more I got into, into tech and programming and, and software, the more I realized that I really wanted to be building a, a scalable software product, not, not an agency. And you know, I was just, while, while I thought the kind of Facebook apps were, were a bit of a fad, I was just really excited by the huge shift that was, that was happening in, in communication and how people were communicating. You know, this is kind of 2010, 2011, and it was really clear to me that all communication was shifting into smartphones and social media and messaging, and that as that happened, it was going to really fundamentally change how companies would have to communicate with their customers. And, and so I started Conversocial really with this vision of, you know, hey, this is, this is where the future's at. Let's build software that will will help companies communicate with their customers through all these new channels. Yeah, and then it was a kind of evolution from there over the first couple of years to really, as we really started to focus on, you know, what there's this big opportunity around customer service. You know, as the as this shift happens, every company is going to have to you know, move social and messaging into their contact center, and that was something that I saw as a real greenfield opportunity at the time uh, that no other startups were really working on. And that it was a very clear case of the innovator's dilemma for in terms of the incumbent customer service vendors. Um, and so we kind of really pivoted a little bit. And you know, from mid-2011, 
kind of switched focus to just be on you know, bridging the gap between the rapidly shifting worlds of social media on the one hand and the needs of the large enterprise contact center on the other hand. And that's what kind of set us off on our, on our journey. Uh, and now, now there's a kind of another shift starting to happen, which is why I wrote the book, as the world moves more to messaging uh, and automation starts to play a much bigger part in it as well. Okay. I want to back up a second to your agency. So when you say it was profitable, I mean, what kind of numbers can you reveal around the business? Like what, what revenues did you get to before you decided to kind of move on? Yeah, so it wasn't a huge, huge agency. I'm trying to think of at, at, at our peak. Uh, at our peak, it was probably doing a few hundred thousand in revenue a month. Got it. A few hundred thousand revenue a month. So it was it was a seven figure business then. Yeah, but it was a uh, it was a seven figure business. But it was uh, you know it was bootstrapped, just owned by me and my business partner. And yeah, you know, we eventually sold it. But before we sold it, we essentially used a lot of the the revenue from the agency to to do the actual funding of Conversocial. So you know, Conversocial started as a project of the agency and being funded by it with its own team uh, until we eventually separated out, sold the agency part and, and raised venture capital for, for Conversocial. You, you know, that's interesting though, because like I've had a couple of people on, the, on this podcast in, in the past that have kind of transitioned from services to moving into uh, software. And then, you know, there are people out there that have a model. If you look at like a Gary Vee of the world where, you know, he used the agency to almost kind of incubate other projects that he has. And I certainly look at my agency that way. You know, it's a seven figure agency, but, you know, we also have our SaaS product too. And then I also see us, you know, kind of acquiring and building other, you know, types of online properties too. So I guess I, I'm, to me, it's like, I'm looking at my model. And it's like, how come I just feel like, am I doing something wrong or how come more people aren't doing this? You know what I mean? Yeah, look, I, obviously in business, right, there is never a right answer. There is never, there's never one way of doing things. And I think to a large part, it's got to depend on your personality. I'm a, I'm a very, very focused individual. And, you know, I, the way I like to do things is I like to just go you know, super hard and super deep and, and really go, go after, like have a very, very defined focus and a clear focus. And so, yeah, I, from what, I do have friends who love to be doing lots and lots of deals and having lots of balls in the air. And, you know, I think I can really see the kind of Gary Vaynerchuk model where you have you know, an agency generating cash and you're building different businesses and doing different investments. And I think if you, know, if you have the kind of personality that, um, that suits that, that's great. You know, for, for me personally, I wanted just to go really, really focused and really deep on on a kind of single clear opportunity that I saw as a big opportunity. And I I didn't want to have anything else kind of pulling me sideways or distracting me. There you go. That's a really good answer. And I think that's an answer anyone can, I can just point people towards this podcast now when they're not sure what to do. Yeah. So Josh, what kind of numbers can you share around the current business today? Sure. So, you know, obviously you can't give uh, exact numbers, but, um, you know, we crossed the 10 million ARR mark last year uh, and growing very strongly. So that gives you a kind of rough, rough size. Um, you know, we have hundreds of, of major, major customers around the world, ranging from people like Google, Macy's, Alaska Airlines, um, you know, in the US, people like British Airways globally. You know, tend, tend to work with you know, large retail and airline. Uh, retail and airline are kind of two biggest verticals, but then we do have, you know, telco, tech, utilities around there as well. But all generally large consumer businesses that are um, uh, you have large volumes of customer service, and the, the really big opportunity that businesses are, that we're helping businesses jump on right now is going. Yeah, how can we actually replace your traditional service channels, you know, email, web chat, even phone in some cases, 
with messaging because you know messaging is so much more convenient for the customer you know it's just like in their pocket easy to send a message you get really high customer satisfaction scores but from the business side the asynchronous workflow is really efficient for agents they don't have any downtime which means that they can actually handle far more customers for the, with the same number of agents um, and it's also much easier to automate so we've started to have brands who are just you know promoting messaging as a service channel over and above email and everything else and, and seeing big business results. We do also work with some fast growing startups. You know, we have customers like Stripe, TransferWise, Hims, um, you know, people who are doing a lot of, uh, again, people who have real customer service issues, either they're selling direct or, 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 or finance where you've got to be able to really go deep with a relationship with people. Right. Okay. Well, so what's like an example use case of this? Can you speak to how like British Airways or Google uses this just so people can get an idea? Yeah. So when, when we talk about messaging, you know, and generally talk about social messaging, right, which is the consumer messaging apps. So, you know, things like Facebook Messenger, Twitter DM, soon things like Apple Business Chat. You know, so when a cup, essentially the consumer use case would be, hey, you have a, uh, you've flown Alaska Airlines and you, know, you have a question or a complaint or an issue or you need to like change your flight. And instead of phoning or emailing, you just send them a message on Twitter or you send, you know, open, up, open up Facebook Messenger and send them a quick mes- message. And they have a team of people who are able to do you know, full customer service, the same kind of thing you do over the phone, but they just message you back on Facebook Messenger. So it's a super seamless experience for you as a consumer. You know, it's just like messaging a friend you're able to do that of a business. Now, behind the scenes, that business has got a team of customer service agents who are logging into ConverSocial. We are um, you know, obviously integrated with all the messaging platforms. We have a full you know, routing and que- queuing automation system so that you could have hundreds of agents online at the same time. And we're you know, taking in the, the, the questions and complaints that people are making and uh, assessing the seriousness, the, the right teams they should go to. You know, distributing them out to, to the right agent, so every agent has has a piece of work, and then providing case management and real time analytics and analysis on top of that, uh, so the managers can see, you know, what's our response time, uh, how busy are our agents in different work queues, uh, how many cases are we dealing with, with in a, and how can we measure it in a way that's similar to the way that we measure the phone. And we also layer in bits of automation in there as well. So we do, example, for example, have a product called Navigator which essentially puts a bot at the beginning of that messaging conversation so that when you go and message a brand, you know, there'll be an automated welcome message and a menu of what type of problem you, you, you're you having. And based on your problem, it'll ask you to you know, provide your email address or certain information. And only then will it take you to a human agent. So automation, we, we're, we're really against kind of trying to build completely standalone chatbots. But we think that one of the huge opportunities of messaging is the fact that you can combine automation and humans in the same conversation, which we think is a really great experience. So are you guys building the, it seems like you guys are probably doing custom builds for people in terms of like the bot logic, the funnels and all that kind of stuff, yes? So we have our own internal bot builder, uh, which which our services team work with our clients to create that. Okay, great. So yeah, services team works with the clients to kind of get everything going, uh, maybe even help them write a few sequences, right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I'm seeing right here on the site right now. So you guys integrate with Facebook Messenger. Who else do you guys integrate with? Sure. So today, you know, we integrate obviously with Facebook Pages, Facebook Messenger, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Google Plus, and uh, yeah, we do have custom integrations as well. 
And then, of course, coming up over the next 12 months, you know, I think WhatsApp is going to be pretty, you know, just huge for, for every, you know, how companies are communicating with their customers. Yeah. You know, it's only being used by so, so many businesses, you know, generally in South America and Europe. And once enterprise accounts come online, I think that's really going to just change the game very dramatically. Yeah. And then we've got Apple Business Chat, uh, which I think will be really big in North America. And, you know, Google are pushing RCS, which is the kind of, you know, essentially the iMessage equivalent for Android, um, which is going to be coming in the next 12 months as well. So there's a lot of new technologies starting to come into the horizon. So you founded Conversocial in 2011, is that right? Correct, yes. Okay. So I guess my question would be, because the chats have just re- re- recently really started to take off more, you see like Facebook Messenger bots, uh, all that kind of stuff, maybe in like the last two, three years or so. How did you know to jump on this in 2011 when it wasn't as big? I know WhatsApp first came out, right? But it wasn't like a huge thing yet. And like, and I'm also wondering, in the first couple of years, was it like a, was it like a struggle because it wasn't that huge yet? Or how did that go? Yeah. Uh, yes to all of the above. So, you know, back then, like I said, I'd been in, I was very deep into the social media world, right? I mean, built, you know, all I'd been doing for a number of years, been building Facebook apps for big brands and speaking to big brands about it. And my kind of, as I kind of looked to the future, my, my kind of core belief was really about this, just shifting communication, that all communication was going to shift away from traditional channels and into social media and everything else that came, came as part of it. And so I started doing an analysis. I was like, I have this like clear vision. That this is this is the future of communication. So where should we focus our time? And I was a big fan of uh, this book, Four Steps to the Epiphany by Steve Blank. Uh, he was the kind of um, he was actually the tutor to Eric Ries. And uh, Four Steps to the Epiphany is kind of the B two B version of of lean startup. And I really used that as my kind of handbook for going, okay, how do I kind of figure out exactly which you know, which type of vertical, what type of product should we be going after in this? And we got hired uh, pretty early on, this kind of early 2011, by one of the biggest retailers in the UK, Tesco, who is still, still a big customer of ours today. And they were one of the first companies really in the world. We're investing in social media, but a lot of customers are coming onto these our Facebook page and they're complaining. And we need a team of customer service agents to handle this. And so... They got in touch with Facebook and said, who can help us do it? And Facebook said, well, go and speak to Conversocial. Uh, Maybe they can help. Uh, And so I personally started traveling out to these contact centers all around around, uh, the country and in Britain and spending time sitting down and kind of, you know, watching as the customer service agents were trying to solve, you know, real customer problems and cases, you know, on top of Facebook, but without any of the workflow or case management they were used to. Um, you know, I sat with the managers as they were trying to figure out how they could manage this team of agents uh, without any of the normal metrics or analytics they're used to. Uh, and I also sat and looked at, you know, how do they do this in email? How do they do this in web chat? How do they do it over the phone? And it was that experience that, you know, A, got me to really appreciate just how difficult and complex it would be to build a true like enterprise contact center application. But at the same time, got me very excited. Because I was like, you know, I really started to see that as these channels became the default way that people communicated, every company would have to do you know, the same as what Tesco did. They need to move social into their contact center. And uh, I started to get very excited by that possibility. And I, I did a number of like other bits of analysis, right? So part of it was that all the other startups at the time were really focused on, on marketing as a use case. 
And so no one was really going after the same, going after the customer care in that way. It also, I also did the kind of innovators dilemma model and looked at, you know, hey, is this a sustaining disrupt or, an, or a uh, disruptive innovation? And looked at like the patterns of the change. And I really came to the conclusion that uh, the dynamics of this new market would be a disruptive innovation, which is one that a startup would be able to win as opposed to the incumbents. And it very much kind of ended up falling that in, in that pattern. And then the final analysis I did was, you know, hey, what are Facebook likely to do? And yeah, one of my conclusions, part of my general hypotheses was that you know, Facebook are likely to build more and more SMB tools because that's just the kind of you know, long tail, simple things to do. Um, but it probably will do less and less for enterprise. And I, I assume that they were also going to try and do more and more of their own advertising tools because that's their key revenue driver. So I viewed, kind of, I viewed kind of enterprise customer care as something which was like reasonably safe from Facebook, reasonably safe from incumbents. No other startups were going onto it, but it was something that I really, while it wasn't a big opportunity at the time, I believed it was going to become a big market. And so all of those things came together, which kind of led me to have that, the conviction to, to focus on it very early on. Uh, and indeed, you know, when we started, even the term social customer service didn't really exist. But, but as you said, it was, it was early. And, you know, at the time, you know, social media was gem, you know, primarily meant public social media, right? It was generally a small number of people who were kind of complaining publicly to escalate complaints. And brands were kind of treating it as crisis management. You know, and there was a bit of confusion of, where, you know, is it marketing? Is it customer service? Is it something in between? So, you know, we, we really like knuckled down and went after it and helped to educate the market. But the first few, few years were certainly not that easy. You know, we were very, very early. The deal size has started off pretty small. Yeah, how small? I mean, I have to think back, but you know, a big deal when we first started would probably have been in the kind of thirty to fifty thousand dollars a year range. Got it. You know, now our biggest now our biggest customer pays us over a million dollars a year. Well, so let's talk about that. I mean, like, how do you guys generally charge right now? Is it like per seat? And then uh, let's go with that first. How do you guys charge right now? Yeah, so um, you know, gem- generally it's a per seat model. You know, that's the core of the pricing. You know, I, I think one one thing, we've definitely evolved a lot as a company over, over the years, right? And we have become a kind of true enterprise company in that time. You know, when we started, it was definitely, it was a product that we were selling. You know, it was just, you know, here's the price for the, for the platform. Now, the core of what we're selling is obviously still the platform. A lot of customers buy us because of, you know, the expertise that we provide, the services we provide. You know, when we go in for a big customer, you know, our, our approach is to really try and understand what are the what are the big, you know, C-level kind of business challenges and business objectives you're trying to solve. You know, not just about social, but really about like customer care as a whole. You know, potentially even in some cases where where we can cross over with revenue, and then we'll try and we'll map out. You know, okay, how can we help you achieve those objectives? over the next you know, two years, two plus years. And that might be an, over a number of steps from, you know, okay, the first step may just be, you know, you know, get the software in and make sure you've got the core workflow and analytics that you need to, to do this properly. Um, but then it may really go into, okay, how can we really help you deliver the best possible experience and, you know, integrate with your CRM so you're getting a single view of the customer or like, you know, massively increase your efficiency by investing into like AI solutions. And in those solutions, what we're doing may be quite different for different customers or different verticals, but it's definitely a kind of white, 
you know, white glove approach, uh, especially at the larger levels. So what was that shift? I mean, going from 30 to 50K and saying, okay, we're going to start doing seven-figure ARR deals. What kind of changes did you guys have to change to in your mindset? Yeah, I think that the biggest mindset shift was the shift from you know, selling software to you know, selling, selling solutions, selling answers to problems. And yeah, obviously, the software is the core of that, but but it's but it's part of the it's part of the the puzzle, and yeah, we we had to learn that we learned it gradually and we learned it painfully, right? So you know, I say gradually because you know deal size has gradually got bigger and bigger over the years. You know, as as uh, this became as these became bigger and bigger channels, and especially with the rise of messaging. You know, very few companies wanted to actively promote public social media. You know, they didn't want to encourage people to complain publicly. But with the rise of messaging, you know, that that just goes away, right? It's private. It's one-on-one. It's more of a direct replacement for email and chat. And so those companies start promoting it. The volumes start going up really, really significantly. It becomes a much bigger deal. You need more agents. You know, they're prepared to spend more money on it. So there's been this continual, like, just gradual increase uh, and you know, over the time, you know, we've hired more and more experienced execs, um, you know, experienced people in customer success and sales and services, you know, which is obviously the core, one of the, big, the biggest ways that the, the organization adds knowledge and experience uh, is by hiring people who've been there and done it, which has been you know, ma- massive for us. And then there have been some real, really painful experiences. We, our first you know, seven figure, we, we have multiple seven figure clients now, but our first one uh, we worked with it for a couple of years, and, and unfortunately, we lost eventually. And it was very, very painful. Why did you lose them? Uh, well, I, you know, there's obviously multiple reasons in there, but the biggest reason, and this was a couple of years ago now, but the biggest reason was that when we first signed them up, which at this point was you know, three, four years ago, we were we really approached the relationship very much from a product perspective. You know, so we were investing heavily from a product perspective. They would put requests in, and we would answer those requests from you know in terms of the product. Um, and we put a lot of engineering resources against it, but we weren't really understanding what were their what were their real business objectives, and how can we go and give them a compelling vision for how we're going to help them achieve those objectives, whether that's you know the product itself, whether that's your know, services, partners, how are we going to pull it all together to meet meet their big problems? And we realized that you know for a big client, that's what we've got to do. You know we're the experts in this industry. Uh, we have we have the teams and the capabilities. We and you know often clients are looking for that, and so we need to go in and give a really compelling vision for how we can help them, you know, really improve their customer experience, save their costs, you know, really start to become a leader in the market in terms of messaging and 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 and, and CX. Uh, and and, it, and it's really on us to do that. So you know through through painful experiences like that, we we create we realize that yeah hey we've got to. Be, be, the, be amazing at this. And now we have very clear processes and ways that we work in terms of services and customer success to ensure that we're delivering that for our clients. So it sounds like they weren't, you guys were really good about the white glove in the beginning and kind of fell off as you guys were scaling. And then um, they felt like they were kind of getting neglected. And then that's why they left. Uh, kind of, it was, well, it was more that we, we invested a lot from a product perspective. Yep. But we realized actually that's not enough. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, if you, you can't just build, you know, build, you can't just answer product requests for, for a major client, for a major enterprise client. It's really about helping them just meet their business objectives. And, you know, maybe that's maybe product developments in there. Maybe it's, you know, services, maybe it's integrations, maybe it's strategy. You really got to just figure out and it's kind of, and it's kind of on us to figure out 
how we can help them meet their objectives. Great. Okay. And just so, I mean, if people want to get started with Converse Social, uh, how much do you charge per seat right now? How, what does pricing look like? Sure. So, you know, pricing, it does depend on, you know, we have like different, we have like different levels based on, you know, hey, are you, are you looking for just super, you know, simple functionality in a small team? Or is this like a large enterprise deployment with hundreds, hundreds of customers? So it, it does vary. We don't kind of publicize the pricing, but, you know, probably our, our lowest price customers, you know, at the very kind of lower end tend to be starting at kind of twenty twenty five thousand $25,000 a year. And then it can kind of go up from there based on based on requirements. Great. Okay. Well, I want to leave some time. I mean, we're, we're running out of time here, but I do want to talk about your your book a little bit. Message me. So, can you tell us about uh, tell us about what it's about, and we'll go from there. Sure. Yeah. So, as as I've kind of hinted at, there are these you know two, really two big shifts that have been happening in the industry, which has been this rise of of private messaging, and and then automation as part of that. And just to add some more color. You know, if we just look at our customer data, you know, a couple of years ago, public social media was kind of, you know, public social media was the biggest channel for our clients, where private messaging was kind of, you know, it was in there, but it wasn't massive. Last year that started to, or over the last year and a half, that started to accelerate. Private messaging just started getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Until last September, it took over public messaging and then really rapidly accelerated until by the end of the year, it was twice the size in terms of the actual volume of conversations that you know things that the brand are responding to. So really pretty dramatic shift last year where private messaging just kind of you know, took over. And as companies are starting to actively promote messaging as a service channel, you know, actually it's just kind of you know rocket shipping up in terms of volumes. Because then replacing email, replacing chat, starting to eat into phone calls in many cases. And so that's a really big transition in the industry. It opens up a lot of opportunities if, you know, in terms of how you deliver customer care because suddenly it's now you, know, you can actually view this as a meaningful replacement for, for other customer service channels. So, so that's this big shift that's happening in the industry. And then automation, you know, I was there uh, sitting at F8 where a couple of years ago when Mark Zuckerberg you know, kind of heralded the end of phone calls when he announced the, the launch of the, of the Messenger bot platform. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, kind of everyone went crazy, right, over a couple of months. I mean, first of all, all of the other tech platforms announced, you know, all the other big tech companies announced that they were launching bot platforms of some kind. And, you know, everyone, just the press went kind of wild and everyone was talking about how, you know, it was the end of human customer service and every app on your phone was going to be replaced by a bot within six months. And there was a lot of hype, but then uh, yeah, most of the bots that got built were actually pretty terrible. Right. Most of them were like sim- simple rule based decision trees, which ended up just not being a great experience. And we kind of you know, moved through that kind of hype cycle, at kind of warp speed, you know, kind of went like went crazy and then got into the trough of disillusionment within like three months. But at the same time, uh, you know, A, there was some people started to see, oh, there are actually ways that we can use these bot platforms to add real value. Uh, and at the same time, there's been real, really amazing developments from a deep learning and machine learning perspective. You know, that it's now much cheaper and faster to, to use and apply deep learning techniques to large data sets than, it's, than has ever been possible before. And that's really starting to open up you know, new opportunities and how you can actually implement these techniques in real business cases, like, like in customer care, you know, whether it's in front of the customer or behind the scenes. 
And so I thought, you know, the, these things are coming together. And, you know, I really believe that the combination of, of messaging with automation is going to pretty dramatically change the nature of customer service over the next three to five years. You know, I think we're going to move, move from this world today where you know, 70% of customer service is still over the phone. It's a pretty terrible experience most of the time. And you know, it's generally all human powered other than kind of you know, very painful like IVR phone trees you have to wade through. And digital customer care is kind of, you know, it's okay for the most part, but email customer care tends to be extremely slow. You know, web chat is great if you're sitting in front of a computer and happy you know, being locked there and not being able to move. It doesn't really meet. That's not really the nature of how people you know, use the internet today on their phones. But I think that the combination of messaging automation is going to enable us to have a pretty big shift, where a small number of agents are able to handle a really large number of customers extremely effectively over messaging. You know, with with AI and automation being the kind of front line uh, and being able to handle a lot of simple queries, but with humans always there as a backup in a very seamless way. And I think that will pretty dramatically change how customer service is done and really make a massive improvement to it, both from a consumer perspective and a brand perspective. Uh, and so I wanted to write the book to kind of, you know, set out, you know, hey, like this is where things are going and how do we get here? And kind of talk through these big trends that have happened over the past few years, you know, the rise of social media and the rise of messaging, the rise of bots and, and developments in AI. Uh, and then talk about, you know, hey, practically, for you as a business, whether that's a business owner or you're an exec in a big business, you know, how do you actually implement these technologies uh, in an effective way? You know, how do you ensure that you can implement messaging as a care channel? What, you know, what, what are the right things you should do? From, you know, what should, should you do and shouldn't do with bots? How do you start implementing real machine learning techniques? And then really setting out that vision for how things are going to change. Love it. And where can people get the book? Uh, it's on Amazon. Yeah, if you just search for Message Me, then you know, it's available today for, uh, over, over Kindle or hardcover. Great. So two more questions from my side. So what is one new tool that you've added in the last year that's added a lot of value to your life? So it could be like a bike or it could be like an app. <laughs> a bike or an app. Um, I, I think that uh, this isn't actually a tool, but it's kind of productivity hack, I, I guess. I got really into mind maps. Yeah. Uh, I'm a fan. I, I, I kind of always use mind maps occasionally. But actually, when I started writing the book, uh, you know, when, when you're sitting staring at a blank page, it, it's really it's really hard to, you know, to, to get writing. And so I started always doing a mind map. I use like, you know, drawing out a mind map for like, you know, the overall structure of the book for every chapter I was going to write. I'd like do a mind map. I find it much easier just to like to draw my ideas and then once I've drawn it, it was really easy to write. Uh, and so the, the, the big shift that I've actually made recently is I switched to a, an, an iPad Pro with a pen, with the Apple Pencil. And I now actually, all the time, for meetings, you know, ideas, brainstorming, pretty much anything, I'm actually drawing, drawing mind maps on the iPad, which goes straight into Evernote. So they're all still kind of searchable in there. And I, I really enjoy doing it. And I also find it like, really good from a creativity perspective so I, i've been looking for an excuse to buy the ipad pro because i have an ipad that's like three four years old but i only really use it as a timer during meetings so people don't talk over <laughs> so, so is that is that enough reason to get the ipad pro it's, it's mainly more for a selfish reason for me to buy it so i mean i i find it immensely valuable like i love the pen the, the apple pencil and i love being able to like draw and write meeting notes and, and mind maps on there 
I don't want to like burst your bubble because you, you know, definitely get the iPad Pro if you want. But I know that Apple did just say that the pencil now works with like all of the new iPads, not just the pros. You definitely should get a new one and, and the pencil. I'm, I'm a big fan. All right, perfect, cool, sold. All right, that was that's that's my excuse. Uh, okay, well, final question. Aside from your book, what is one must-read book you'd recommend to the audience, or the first one that comes to your mind? Yeah, I mean, for for entrepreneurs, I think that the hard thing about hard things by Ben Horowitz is just a really incredible book. You know, especially as you are, especially if you're starting to scale a business and putting together a management team and hiring you know experienced executives for the first time. Um, you know, it's easy to make mistakes when you do that. And, and I think that that book is really just kind of raw and compelling and full of, you know, stories that will really grip you uh, and, and help you a lot as you're, as you're learning and developing. Great. That is by far the most recommended book on this podcast. I'm going to have to even restrict that book in the future. But <laughs> Josh, what is the best way for people to find you online? Best way, you know, at Joshua March on Twitter, you know, all through the mix of business and politics as everyone does these days. And of course, conversocial.com. All right, Josh, thanks so much for doing this. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and remember to take action and continue growing.